Hello and welcome back to Chirps. Tara and Alex back with you after a week away. And I'll be honest with you, we're hesitant to even do this podcast because things have gone pretty well since we last talked. And uh, no, we're not superstitious or anything, but we don't want to we don't want to rock the boat. And yet here we are because there's some level of of responsibility as podcasters to actually talk about what's happening. So with much hesitation and all the caveats, Alex, we are here talking about a Cardinals team that has moved themselves into postseason position, thanks in part to a Padres collapse and in large part to all the things that we've been complaining about for the Cardinals suddenly leveling out and working together, both offensively, defensively, and from the mound in the last couple of weeks. I said this in the Birds on the Black group chat the other day. I'm hesitant to even talk about what's happening (laughs) because I feel like by acknowledging it, uh, we might scare it away. But here we are, Cardinals in a postseason spot, right now with a three-game lead before the second game of the series with the Brewers. Things are going well? <laughs> um, holy crap. <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say. Uh, it's... I'm not kidding when I tell you, my life is different since the last time the Cardinals lost a game. <laughs> That's how long it's been. In that span, since the Cardinals lost, let's see here. I got a cargo bike, which has completely changed how I get around town with my kids and stuff. I feel like I'm a completely different person. I didn't have this bike when they last lost a game. So I'm a completely, yeah, I feel like a completely different person. Um, (laughs) It's... I feel like I owe apologies, mea culpas. I I, I feel as though um, I sh- I should have seen this coming. Uh, but on the other hand, this did not look like teams of the past that they were at one point with like a negative forty five run differential or something like that. Now they have a plus six run differential, which feels like all of that happened within the last two weeks. Um, most important, this has been a blast. They are winning games that you feel like they're going to lose. Uh, or you feel like under normal circumstances, they're going to lose. Think back to, was it Saturday night with that? Maybe the worst strike zone I've ever seen, Tara. Uh, it was terrible. Uh, and I'm, I'm usually not one who complains about such things because I'm, I usually marvel at how well umpires are, how good they are at their jobs. Uh, especially with like, uh, not necessarily balls and strikes, but like, how how often they get the call right when it's a bang bang play like sliding in the second or or something like that. That was one of the worst games I've ever seen uh, by an umpire behind the play, and it just had that feeling of okay, we you know sometimes you just have these games like we are not going to win this game. Um, it had that feeling, but for how they've been playing, and I don't know about you, but I kept having this feeling like something could still happen here, and of course it happened with Tyler O'Neill's two-run homer. Uh, I even felt the same way about last night when the Brewers tied it up and made, you know, Carl's got off the early lead, and then Brewers hit two solo home runs to all of a sudden make it 2-2. And in a normal 
time, I would say like, oh, like, you know, the Brewers could win this game 9-2 for all I know. You know, it could be one of those games. Uh, but the, but it's not what happened. It, it, it's a game where you normally feel like the Cardinals could squander, but they, they did the exact opposite. They stayed in the game. They kept they, – they capitalized on almost every opportunity they had, whereas the Brewers didn't, and they won the game. And – and not to get ahead of ourselves, but I gotta say, if they win the Jake Woodford versus Woodruff game, I might spike the football. I, I might, <laughs> I might go ahead and uh, say, like, start celebrating. I might because if they win this game tonight, then I mean they're already in the driver's seat. But it's it's really hard to envision, uh, just from a just from a sensible standing standpoint, but also just from a like magical, like, all right, if we win this game, like. We're going to the playoffs. It's is Cardinals devil magic to the extreme. If Jake Woodford bests the Brewers in this game. No, I totally agree. And it's so interesting to me because two weeks ago when we talked last, we were talking about the fact that the Cardinals, when Alex Reyes gave up the grand slam, the walk-off grand slam on that Sunday night, we had this conversation about the fact that Part of the reason it felt like this wasn't a team capable of going on a run is because they had not been a team all year that won those games, right? Those games that could go either way, those games that kind of the big break always happened for the other team. And we even talked about the actual number of times, which I believe was zero, (laughs) that the Cardinals had come from behind late in games, right? They hadn't done it. It wasn't a thing that they had proven themselves. And and I don't mean capable in the sense of they're not capable of having a good at bat, but just collectively as a unit, they hadn't done it all year. They hadn't won those games. And almost since then, every, well, you know, in the last nine days, entirely every time it looked like they were going to fold they didn't and every time it looked like ooh, you know the the opponent took the lead this is where it all falls apart instead they came from behind that tyler o'neill moment for me and i know that wasn't the start of this streak that wasn't you know the beginning of things going right for this team but because of the moment the magnitude of that series and the fact that it it almost felt like, okay, if they lose this game, I know the strike zone was bad, but this kind of feels like ugh, falling back into man. We we were right there, and we still couldn't we still couldn't get over that last hump. Instead, it turned into this magical thing that probably shouldn't have happened, especially when you consider that Tyler O'Neill had to cover like a full mile of strike zone just in order to stay in the at bat based on what he had seen earlier. He stayed in the game. The Padres had a manager ejected. Tatis nearly got ejected. Like the strike zone was bad for both teams. Everyone knew it. And it was sort of the celebration of Tyler O'Neill becoming who the Cardinals thought he could be and capping off a, a great streak for him as it was already with one of those moments that we had talked about. The Cardinals didn't have those moments where you go, man, I'm going to remember this forever as a fan of this team. That was one of those moments. Yeah, and uh, I would back up a few games earlier, and I I had to catch up on this one the next morning because I I went to bed before it actually 
before the game was over. But that that game that went into extra innings against the Mets, uh, they probably had no business winning mm-hmm. that game. And that yeah. harkens back to what I said earlier: is they're winning games that they have no business winning. Uh, Mets have runners on first and third with one out, and I don't remember who was up. Was it Lindor? I don't remember, but it hits a hits a chopper to Goldschmidt, who yeah. knows immediately what to do the minute that ball's off the bat, which is step on first, and it looks like he was throwing the ball home before he was even looking at home. Uh, so fast that the um, runner on third, who I apologize again, I don't remember who it was. That may have been Lindor, now that I think about it. I don't know. I think it's, it was Lindor at third, okay. but nonetheless. He, Goldschmidt... Turned, turned the play so quickly that Lindor was stuck in no man's land and, and they got out of that inning. And had I been watching, that would have been one of those moments that felt like, okay, we're not losing this game now after that. Uh, I, it doesn't always work out that way, but that it kind of had that feeling. Uh, <laughs> speaking of the, I, I just thought of this, but the, uh, we brought up uh, Jake Woodford versus Woodruff tonight. Did you see Block of Their Own's tweet last night about how big of a shame it is that Mike Shannon isn't going to get to announce the, the Woodford versus Woodruff? Yes. Yeah. Yes, I, I did notice that. Uh, yeah, I <laughs> I started laughing. I, uh, I believe I believe uh, that there was also confirmation that in the Jake Arietta start for the Padres, Arietta and Arenado were being used interchangeably <laughs> by Mike Shannon. So, you know, whichever name came to mind, that that works. Ah, <laughs> uh, bless him. Uh, he, he will be missed. Um, you, you, it, it is a wonder how they're doing this, but not when you actually look at their stats, look at their Fangraphs page, and you see, you know, I'm not going to say, like, they have their own MV3, uh, you know, similar to Pujols, Roland, and Edmonds, but they kind of have, like, a poor man's version of that going on right now with Tyler O'Neill, excuse me, Tyler O'Neill, Goldschmidt, and Arenado, right? You have two of those guys who are probably going to be about four and a half win players, uh, O'Neill and Goldschmidt. You got Arenado is going to be a four win player. Uh, two of those guys who are slugging above 500, and Arenado is right around that mark as well. And, and that's just something we haven't seen from the Cardinals offense uh, really since like 2013. Uh, we haven't had a lot of guys slugging above that 500 mark. Like maybe Tommy Pham once and maybe Matt Carpenter once or twice. Uh, and that's about it. So to have a couple guys uh, getting, getting production like that from a couple of guys, not just one guy, a couple of guys in a ballpark that like Bush Stadium, where they play their home games, where we know it's basically turned into uh, one of the more pitcher-friendly parks in MLB. That has been big. And not to mention just, as was mentioned a lot on the broadcast last night and is mentioned often if you're reading a Sheehan newsletter or whatever, they have one of the best defenses in baseball. And if you're a pitcher like John Lester last night and who's throwing strikes – uh, typically good things will happen except for when the ball goes over the fence, as, as which happened twice. But when the ball wasn't going in the, over the fence, the Cardinals defense was turning that into outs. And I, I would add, not necessarily into that trio, but as a very close fourth, Dylan Carlson really having the kind of week that reminds everybody, oh yeah, this is why we were excited about Dylan Carlson and what he can provide to a lineup. Maybe not the, the middle of the order guy at the moment but when he's playing well when he's hitting the ball well I mean defensively he's had some spectacular moments in the last week but he just looks more comfortable he looks like he belongs now more than ever and 
it's been a while since we felt like the Cardinals had three, if not four guys in the lineup that could, in order, give you that depth and give you that protection for somebody who's hitting well and give you the, you know, ability to continue uh, you know, some sort of rally without just running into a strikeout guy in the third spot or the fourth spot or whatever it is. Um, so it's been fun to watch Dylan Carlson, even if it's been slowly, even if it's been a little up and down over the course of the season, really kind of find a groove that he seems comfortable in and has been working for him as of late. Just because not to get greedy, but those three that are playing well right now certainly look a lot better and are a lot more protected if there's one other guy because you can't pitch around all of them. Yeah, I don't know if you remember at the beginning of the year, I think it was our episode right before the season started when we were just kind of both uh, taking the opportunity to throw out like a hot take out there of like a prediction for the team. And I think I said about Carlson that he was going to have a huge year to have like 120 WRC plus maybe like around a, I don't know, 800 OPS um, or 825 OPS, whatever uh, slug close to 475. He hasn't been that player. Uh, he hasn't been that good, but he, he is a guy who's had about a, what, a 750 OPS for his first full season in baseball, I'm pretty satisfied with that, especially given his age. What, what is this? Is he age 22, age 23? Uh, his first full season in the majors. Um, that's always tough for anyone. Um, given the mind, the grind in the minors is very different from the grind in the majors. Plays good defense, as you said. So, yeah, I, f- I feel very good about about the Dylan Carlson experience. Um, and this was noted on the broadcast as well last night it's just amazing and i don't know if i'm amazing might be a bit of a stretch but it's pretty shocking how well the lester acquisition has worked out um as well as hap uh especially when you look at that way lester's career began in st louis that was <laughs> do you remember that where he liked the, like the first six guys reach base it, you know it could not have gone worse um no. And it's not like we we're excited about him anyway. He, he was not a good pitcher with the Nationals. So that looked like it was just kind of like a throwaway acquisition. And he's turned into, uh, a, he's given us a lot of solid production, a lot of six-inning starts, which is exactly what this team needs right now. It's exactly what the bullpen needs right now. So so that's been great. And I, I got to say, I kind of love it that he got his 200th start while in a Cardinals uniform. <laughs> He's so not a Cardinal. He, no. You know, there's two teams. If if if, uh, if you're thinking about John Lester in the future, there's two teams you're going to think about before the Cardinals. Um, shoot, maybe even three if you want to think about him <laughs> starting that wild card game with the A's uh, mm. before the Cardinals. But it's pretty great that uh, he was getting all those hugs in a Cardinals uniform last night. Uh, while our division rival is currently shamelessly trying to not win games, uh, yeah. <laughs> which, you know, hopefully they keep that mindset for the seven games they still have with us. And if they do, then this is all but over. I mean, yeah. when I say all but over, the second wild card spot is all but over. And then, right, we, right. And then we have to play this one. But you know what's great is, and I might have a different opinion when when it happens, the Cardinals have very little to lose so long as they can hold on to this wild card spot. If they go in and they lose to the Dodgers when like, hey, you know what? You entertained us for the last month of the season. You made the playoffs. You did exactly what I want from, I mean, not exactly what I want, but you 
you hit those baseline kind of uh, expectations we have for a Cardinals team, which is be competitive. Finish above to, 500. Yes. Finish yeah. above the Pirates. <laughs> yes, yes. They, <laughs> yes. And, and more so, you know, they're going to hopefully finish in that high 80 win total, which is pretty remarkable thinking about where they were two weeks ago. It is. And as you mentioned at the beginning, it almost feels like, do we do we owe the front office an apology for some of the things nah. that we said over the course of the year? I don't think so, because, you know, I was discussing this with Daniel Shoptaw the other day. Everything we said at that moment in time was still true. It was still things that were really happening. And even with the lesser situation, you know, I think my frustration with the acquisitions at the deadline it, there were really two key frustrations. One, that they didn't make a move until the deadline when pitching had clearly been a challenge months prior to that. And two, that as we've said before, it, it kind of just maintained the status quo rather than trying to actually make them better. Then, it, you know, it's just like, let's bring in some very similar arms <laughs> to what we had that got hurt. Um, so it didn't feel great about that. But I, I do think it's fair to acknowledge that, look, whether it's just because John Lester came to a new team and felt like he wanted to prove that there was still something left or, you know, whatever it is, if he feels comfortable with Yachty or if he feels comfortable with, you know, the coaching set, whatever it is, maybe it's just John Lester and a change of scenery like we hear about anecdotally in baseball all the time. It's gone better than I think any one of us expected. And I, I think it's one of those things where kind of like with, uh, you know, some of the pitchers, the Cardinals with Mike List, bringing Mike List back from playing overseas, the Cardinals kind of were like, yeah, we we knew this was going to happen. We saw this coming. Uh, I can imagine that same response with like, see, we told you John Lester was going to be just the right addition. I think they're getting a little bit lucky in that department, but hey, I, I will take it at this point. And whatever it is that has kind of flipped that switch for him, the evaluation of Hap that led them to believe, hey, a few minor adjustments in the pitch selection or how you're mixing the pitches up or whatever it is, because you know they've talked a lot, even on the broadcast, about how different his pitch arsenal looks now than it did at the beginning of the season. That's credit to all those guys who said, okay, this is what we have to work with. Let's get the most out of it. And I think they have. I, it still doesn't mean I think the moves at the deadline were spectacular, but they might have been enough to get them into a postseason spot. And that's where we can kind of go back to the beginning of the year and say, like, okay, are we really aiming for the second wild card? <laughs> is that really the bar we're setting for ourselves? But considering the injuries, considering the slogging their way through the middle of the season for whatever the reason was there, it feels pretty remarkable that they're in this spot with a three-game lead over the Reds for that second wildcard spot, pretty much single-handedly knocking the Padres out of the conversation. Um, you know, as tough as it, as it is for the Cardinals to finish finish with the Brewers and just the rival Cubs, however bad they are at the time, the Padres have to finish with the Dodgers and the Giants a whole bunch of games. So their road doesn't get any easier to try to climb back. So remarkable stretch. And I do think it's fair to maintain some of the things that we said earlier in the season, but also recognize that, look, we don't have access to all the information that the front office does and whether they sometimes get it right and they knew it all along or it sometimes just works out in their favor like this may have. Um, you know, that's, that's why they get paid to do these things. <laughs> <laughs> 
correct. And I, I have two additional thoughts. And uh, the first is this is a reminder that schedule strength only means as much as how well you're playing. Because it doesn't matter if you're playing the Pirates a bunch of times and the Nationals, if you aren't playing very well either at the time. Uh, same with the Phillies who lost last night to the Orioles and who lost uh, a week or two ago, three or four to the Rockies. Um, if, if you're not playing well, it doesn't matter if you're playing lousy teams too, usually. <laughs> um, <laughs> other thing I would say is you remember game 162 in 2011 where all those uh, games are kind of ending at once. And it was quite possibly the best day of regular season baseball in, in like the last 20 years. It, it was like magical. And, and kind of because there was this thought that we would never really experience this again because, or at least at that level, because the next season they were bringing in that extra wild card. So there was this thought that like, you know, these – pennant races or whatever you want to call them, these down-to-the-wire division races, um, stakes wouldn't be as high and it just wouldn't be as intense as as it was on that evening. Um, if this has shown us anything, it's still that that still, still sort of exists. And I, I do I, I, I do wish, I, and I do agree that fewer teams in baseball makes for a more exciting, uh, fewer teams in the playoffs in baseball makes certainly makes for a more exciting September. But this is reinforced that it still works. And I really, really, really do not want them to expand to a 14-team playoff. Uh, because a 14-team playoff means the Padres and Reds are f- firmly in the uh, playoff conversation. Or well, I guess the Phillies, you know, one of those teams, I guess, would be left out. But, like, at least the way it is now, if you're the Padres and you just collapse down the stretch – then that means you're probably not going to make the playoffs. Whereas a 14-team playoff basically says, you know what, if you're above 500, come on. (laughs) Come on in. Um, (laughs) And so I at least like the way it is now that it's showing that you still have to prove yourself as a somewhat decent team, at at the very least, to make the playoffs. And I think it would be very unfortunate um, if this time of year came around. And you know what, I really didn't care as much as I do right now because I knew like, yeah, the Cardinals are going to win 83 games and make the playoffs. Um, even though they're in third place in the division or whatever. So this is just another reminder that baseball would be doing a big disservice, in my opinion, if they expanded the playoffs any further. That's a little off topic. I agree. But, but it, no, it, I, I think it's fair. And, and I think it's fair in this conversation because both wildcard races, the American League and the National League wildcard races, have been insanity over the last couple of weeks with the number of teams that are right there. And some of those teams that are right there are teams that weren't great early in the season, but are getting hot at the right time. And all of a sudden they're in the mix. Yes. For a one game wildcard playoff, which still seems weird to me. It always will, even though it does bring a different level of excitement. I get that. But this wildcard race in both leagues right now is fascinating to watch and to see how it kind of, there's, there's these little chess games going on within the you know, head-to-head matchups and and all of those things. It's been a lot of fun just from a baseball perspective, not exclusively Cardinals. And I agree. I think you would lose some of that if, you know, instead of looking at three or four teams that are within three games of that spot, only one of them is probably going (laughs) to not end up in in the playoffs. It eliminates a little bit of the challenge of getting into that spot. 
and I think it's taken a while. I, I would have to go back and look. I don't remember the wild card race being quite so frenetic <laughs> in uh, the last handful of years since the addition of the second wild card, where there are that many teams really still in the mix. And it's been fun to watch. Have you done what I did this week, which is at some point logged on, looked at the standings and said, oh, the Yankees are in fourth? <laughs> <laughs> Right. I knew they weren't playing well. I didn't know. And I knew the Blue Jays were coming on strong. I did not know. I was not expecting to see them in fourth where they still sit. Um, I, I think, uh, what, Boston's a half a game ahead of them or here. Let me who, let me tell you how the – no, no. The Blue Jays are, are still a half a game ahead of the Yankees. But, yeah, yeah they yep. are in fourth. Now, they, they are firmly – they are firmly in fourth because they are nine games out of first place uh, – and in fourth place and the Baltimore Orioles are in fifth place and 44 and a half games out. So I, I don't think they're going to slip any further, but yeah, that was a, they did lose a bunch of games to the Orioles though. <laughs> that, yeah, that is so, true. Probably didn't feel great. <laughs> um, it, point being, it's been a really fun couple of weeks, not just seeing the Cardinals make this charge, but just kind of with the status of a lot of teams in baseball. And some of them, like the Yankees, made a bunch of moves at the trade deadline and looked like they were going to be a team that was like, hey, we're all in. We're going to make this happen. And they still haven't really been able to pull it off. Um, Speaking specifically of the Cardinals and the games that they have left, like I mentioned, the Brewers and the Cubs. It's pretty much the... the, uh, path to the postseason at this point um the reds play a bunch with the pirates which doesn't seem like that much of a challenge but as you said earlier if you're not playing well you're not going to play well against the pirates either and we've seen that happen to a number of teams um who've lost to the pirates lately so it's hard for me to say i feel comfortable at this point because things can change so dramatically over the course of a week and because like i said at the beginning little hesitant to acknowledge <laughs> that they've uh, that they've put themselves in that spot. But when you think about this season, I think this is probably a simple question to answer, but will you be satisfied? Will you be happy with the Cardinals in that second wild card spot feeling like, all right, this was a successful season and we can all rest easy if the Cardinals are able to pull off even just that wild card playoff, right? If they don't get past the wild card game, is that enough for you to feel good about Cardinals baseball in 2021? Well, that's a tricky question because the Cardinals could win out. Um, I mean, they're not going to, but let's say the Cardinals didn't lose another game and uh, they would still probably end up in that wild card spot. Um, although that is a lot of games against them. All right, regardless, let's say the Cardinals could finish the season very strong and still and they'll still end up in that wild card spot, and I'd be very happy about that. But e- even if they lose to a superior team like the Dodgers with Max Scherzer on the mound, it's going to be disappointing. You know, you 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 still want to win that game. Uh, after a few weeks pass, am I going to look back fondly on the two on this season? Probably, uh, almost all only almost exclusively because of what they've done the last 10 days, last two weeks, um, and hopefully what they continue to do. I don't know if I will be 100% satisfied. Uh, I I will still want them to add some strength to the pitching staff heading forward in the next season, but I will feel pretty good, I think, about the prospects of next season versus how I would have felt if this season would have gone 
like we all thought it was going to, which is the, winning 80 or 81 games and, you know, finish third place in the, in the NL Central. Um, so I think that's my answer. I mean, it's very hard to lose a playoff game. And like even last year, which I don't, I still don't even know what to think of that season. If it was even really a season, which mm-hmm. with the Cardinals 30 and 28, is that right? Because they didn't play a full 60 because they had that such a long disruption. They played the Padres in the first round. Padres were a better team. The Cardinals win that first game pretty, pretty decisively. And it looks like they're going to win that second game. And then things kind of all went to hell and they ended up losing the series. And it was pretty disappointing. And it was disappointing, even though I barely, I, I, I was like 75% invested last season <laughs> just because of all that was going on. And it was, and it was, oh, crazy playoff year with all these teams in the playoffs and all that. But it was still disappointing. So yeah, even if even if they're just clearly outmatched by Scherzer, I'm going to be bummed, but I will take and again, this isn't what I want, but if the choices are between losing badly to the Dodgers in that playoff game, in the actual ex- extra game of baseball versus not having that extra game, I'll take the extra game every time. I agree. And I think <sighs> It is it is tough because I do feel like the expectations for the season continued to get lower <laughs> as the year went along. And that's not great in my mind. But I, I think back about some of the conversations we've had over the course of the season on this podcast. And, you know, we were real high with the team when they were back to the top spot in the division for like a hot minute. And all of a sudden we were like, yeah, Arnato is great. Jack Flaherty's looking good. And then things fell apart from there. And, you know, we've kind of been riding that same wave with them. It's it's impossible not to. So when you get to this point, you see them riding this wave to wherever it takes them. It's hard not to get invested in it and (laughs) to feel like, okay, fine. I'm back in. (laughs) Um, Even though we've, we've kind of tried to pull the plug a whole bunch of times earlier in the season. So I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad that, you know, these guys who have been grinding it out all year, even Mike Schilt, who gets so defensive about who's doing what, I mean, I'm glad that they maintained that belief in their ability and continued to work at what wasn't working for most of the year. And yeah, of course, I, I want to see them continue to win and continue to boggle the mind a bit based on what we saw earlier in the year. And whenever the season ends, it's always a, a little bit disappointing, um, you know, I guess unless they win at all, which then that's a whole different level of euphoria. But it's a year that doesn't make a lot of sense in my mind. <laughs> and I'll think about this season as one that just doesn't quite add up in a lot of ways, but while we're here, might as well enjoy the moment and see what happens. See what happens from here. So, um we're going to put this show out early because we always record on Tuesdays and put it out on Wednesdays, but right now that doesn't make a lot of sense cuz all the things are happening. So, hopefully this is at least relevant prior to game time for the Cardinals and the Brewers tonight. And then hopefully this wasn't our one week, our one week of glory to talk about this team um, crawling their way back in pretty spectacular fashion, actually, to a postseason spot, wild card or not. Alex, we cannot wrap up a show, though, without a chirp 
of the week. This Cardinals team on a roll. We've had some great chirps of the week this year. What do you have for us this time? Okay, so since the Cardinals are in the midst of a nine-game winning streak, uh, hopefully whatever, whenever you're listening to this, whether it's tonight or tomorrow, that winning streak will still be intact, although it could be a tall order. Again, we're, we're hearkening back to the Jake Woodward. You know, versus, uh, <laughs> the, pitching, the pitching matchup is not on our side tonight, but hey, it's baseball. Anything can happen in one game. Um, I kind of just boringly wanted to look at going back to the year 2000, the Cardinals' longest winning streak for each season. Um, and before I do that, I'm going to tell you, the longest winning streak the Cardinals have ever had as a franchise is a 14-game winning streak, which they did from July 2nd to July 18th in 1935. Um, okay. Now, I'm going to tell you, there's going to be a, gap, a little bit of gap in this research because I only went back to the year 2000. And the Cardinals have currently won nine games. And as you're about to hear, at no point from the year 2000 to last season have they won more than nine games in a row in a season. So I don't know if they win tonight. I don't know when that'll be the longest winning streak, um, how long that'll go back to. I probably could have taken the extra five minutes and figured that out. But uh, I, you know, I just kind of wanted to go back the last 20 years, starting with the year 2000, or I guess the last... 22 seasons, I should say. Um, like to start with the year 2000, because that's kind of when like this new age of like Cardinals glory years began. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's start there. In the year 2000, the Cardinals had a seven-game winning streak. Uh, in the year 2001, and this, what I'm about to say, uh, to show you how I cobbled this together and looked at it once and then did not look at it again until just now, because what I'm about to say just blows up everything I just said prior to this. <laughs> But in the year 2001, the Cardinals had an 11-game winning streak. So there you go. If the Cardinals win tonight, it'll be their longest winning streak since 2001 when they won 11 games in a row. Yes. Okay. In 2002, the Cardinals had an eight-game winning streak. In 2003, their longest winning streak, they had a seven-game winning streak. 2004, that great 2014, also had a nine-game winning streak. Uh, 2005, this is interesting to me. Their longest winning streak for the year was six games and they only did it once. And that was a team that won a hundred games. But yeah. this is what's fascinating. Their longest losing streak, three games. They never oh. over the course of 162 games, the 2005 team, which kind of gets forgotten about because we, when we think about that era, mm-hmm. we think about 2004 uh, with the MV3 and, and Larry Walker or whatever. We, and we rarely think about 2005. They didn't make the World Series like the 2014 did. They didn't win 105 games. They only won 100 uh, and all that. But they went that whole season, and they never lost more than three games in a row. That's fascinating to me. Uh, yeah. I, I would be curious to know how many teams there are in baseball over the last 20 years who could say the same. I bet not many, if any. Um, 2006, the World Series year, they had a seven-game winning streak. 2007, they <laughs> their biggest winning streak was five. Uh, 2008, they had a six-game winning streak. 2009, this is surprising because this game, this team, I believe, won 91 games, won the division. Uh, their longest winning streak was five, but they did it five times. So they okay. had five separate five-game winning streaks. Uh, 2010, uh, a non-playoff year, but they had an eight-game winning streak. Uh, 2011, this is also great. Longest winning streak, five. 
So even in that, even in that uh, September stretch, mm. they never won yeah. more than five games in a row. And that's when it occurred. And what was great about that run of baseball is, yeah, they didn't rattle off 12 in a row or something like that. They just kept winning four of six or, you know, five, you know, they just kept winning series after series. Uh, and but, I remember every time they lost, I was like, ah, oh, that's the end. There it is. That, there there it yeah, is. But then they would win the next two or the <laughs> yep, next three, yep. right? Yeah. And then start all over again. Okay. 2012. Again, a longest winning streak, five. Uh, 2013, a 97-win team, pennant-winning team, uh, longest winning streak, six. Uh, I would have expected more than that. Uh, but I, that felt like another team that just kind of won every series. They weren't yeah. going to sweep every series, but they won every series. Uh, and that was kind of like a staple of a lot of those Cardinals teams at the time. Mm-hmm. 2014, longest winning streak, again, six, not a lot. 2015, uh, longest winning streak was eight. Uh, not surprising. That team won 100 games. Uh, 2016, this does not surprise me at all. Longest winning streak, five. Longest losing streak, five. The most boring team in the history of baseball, <laughs> I've said it before, is the 2016 St. Louis Cardinals. <laughs> they never went on long winning streaks. They never went on long losing streaks. They just plotted along and won their 88 games or 86 games or whatever it was. I don't even can't even recall right now. Uh, I believe it was 86. Uh, 2017, they had an eight-game winning streak, which shocked me. I don't remember that. That was a team that only won 83 games, but somewhere nestled in there, they had an eight-game winning streak. 2018, I do remember this because it was in August. They had an eight-game winning streak. It was fun. They kind of brought us all back. This is when Carpenter was hitting the cover off the ball, mm-hmm. and that was also kind of uh, Schilt's first uh, – it was, it was kind of Schilt's first – uh, he came in right before the All-Star break that year, but she was firmly the manager at that point, so that was nice. Um, 2019, uh, division-winning team. They had a six-game uh, winning streak, but they did it three times. Okay. Uh, so they had three separate six-game winning streaks. 2020, uh, last year, weird year. Um, again, I, I don't even like talking about it when you're comparing it to other years, but they had a four-game winning streak. Uh and this year, obviously, <laughs> did, our longest. Did those, did those four wins come in two days because they were doubleheaders? <laughs> or, or they may have come like, you know, uh, 18 days apart if two of them were That's before. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember, to be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you're probably right. They probably came over the span of two days. And, of course, this year, the longest winning streak is nine, hopefully 10, hopefully 11. Hopefully it keeps growing. And that is your Chirp of the Week. Uh, winning streaks going back to the year 2000. And yeah, hope, hopefully we can even uh, surpass 2001, which, uh, as I just learned myself, sort of, uh, <laughs> is the longest winning streak the Cardinals when they won 11 games in a row, longest, longest winning streak they've had in a while. And if you're curious, all this info can be found on baseballreference.com. For my money, the greatest website on the history, in the history of the internet. The creator, Sean Foreman, is that his name? I don't know. Uh, he should be given like a Pulitzer or something. I, I don't know if they give out such awards for, for people like him, but if they do, I would I, I would support it. Whatever the, the sports version of that is, um, you know, he's 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 got it in my book. Uh, no, winning streaks, winning streaks are so fun because they even with a team that has been as frustrating and as boring and as blah as the 2021 Cardinals when you rattle off nine wins in a row and I realize you know the circumstances have something to do with the excitement but when you haven't been that team that can win 
four or five, six, seven games in a row, and you suddenly do, that's really cool. When you are that team that everyone expects to be the best team in baseball and you win 9, 10, 11, 12 games in a row, it's still cool. So I love when you see a team get on that streak. Plus, there's always so much emotion involved. There's always so much energy and excitement from the team. And we didn't even talk about this, but you know, I think it brings the fans back into it. It might bring them back to the stadium to some degree like it did over the course of the last week. We'll see if that continues uh, along with the winning ways. Strange how, as they say, winning uh, fixes a lot of things. <laughs> well, winning fixes you- a lot of things. I'm glad you said that about the stadium because Saturday's game, obviously a lot of that had to do with the fact that they were celebrating the 2011 team, but there was still some electricity in the air that had been missing. And that was really nice to see. And hopefully, like you said, that carries over. Uh, And one last thing I I do want to say is this has been been a nine-game winning streak, and it just feels like you're on cloud nine for the whole time. And, like, you you can't even – you can barely remember the last time they lost, and you can't picture them ever losing again. Like, think what it must be like to be – a fan like of the A's, like like the movie Moneyball, when they won twenty mm. in a row or yeah. whatever. I forget how many it was. Or Cleveland, just a several years ago, won twenty in a row. Yeah, that's like it's like a whole month without baseball losing a baseball game. game. That must that, that must be so much, so much fun. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, this I mean, team is probably not going to do that, but if they want to. I want to. Yeah, I would be okay with it. I don't think they have quite enough games left to get to well they might have enough oh, games left to get they have to 13 get to 20 have 13 there you go left, 13 yeah. 13 all right so it's possible it mm-hmm. is possible um i don't know if that's a, a fair thing to put on them at this point when at the <laughs> beginning of this conversation we weren't even ready to acknowledge that they were winning at all so we'll leave it at that and let you decide but moral of the story winning streaks are fun cardinals winning streaks bring you back in even when you think you're out And they also bring the Cardinals back into a postseason spot as it stands right now. So at the risk of further jinxing everything that has happened in the last two weeks, we're going to stop now and uh, hope that our lack of podcast was not the key ingredient to the Cardinals success over the last nine days. If it is, uh, maybe you just won't hear from us till Christmas. I don't know. (laughs) We'll see what happens. But for now, that is all we have for you today. Thank you, as always, for listening. Feel free to jump in and share your thoughts and opinions with us on the Twitters, as you so often do. We always love hearing your feedback and continuing these conversations there. So listen in, tell your friends, enjoy whatever happens next, and maybe we'll be here to talk about it with you next week. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.